Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, and I would say I'm joined as always, but Jesse had uh, the last episode off, So, but I am joined again by Jesse, my partner in crime. What's going on? Uh, great to see you, Wayne. Yeah, you know, during the summer, we're going to miss each other a little bit here or there. I know you've been the Iron Man so far. Appreciate the week off. was able to have some fun with the family and really looking forward to getting into a huge summer blockbuster that we hit this week. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be talking Jurassic Park. This was actually, I'll say, a fan recommendation, more of like a friend recommendation. It came from the field of screens, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. Before we get into everything, though, please make sure you are following, subscribing to the podcast. But on Facebook, we are at Recasted Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Recasted Podcast. And on Instagram, we are at Recasted Podcast 8. On Facebook, we also have a group. It's called All Things Movies. So join us there and give us your thoughts on movies. You don't even have to follow the podcast. Hopefully you do, but you don't have to. Absolutely. I know we get a lot of fan interaction on the All Things Movies and the Recasted page together. Whenever you post our screenshots of our full cast, I know that's where a lot of people will go and really give their detailed opinions. So hoping we continue to see a lot of interactive uh, responses, a lot of opinions. And I really appreciate Field of Screen setting up this one. Yeah, me too. And I think that it's been actually really exciting how quickly this podcast has grown from that first episode of Night's Tale to where we are now. We're getting about 30 to 40 downloads per episode, which is great because that's more than my sports podcast gets. And I do that every week. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, sports aren't for everybody, even though they are certainly for us, Wayne. But movies, they, they touch a lot more people. So we are hitting a lot of genres here with movies since we started. And we are continuing to evolve and get better. So I uh, really appreciate the continued fandom that we're growing. And I think you and I are continuing to evolve as podcasters. And we're having a lot of fun with it. And that's what counts is having fun. Absolutely. It's been a blast. And we are growing our Twitter base, which is where most people can reach out to us. I feel like that's the most interactive. We can comment on tweets. You can private message us. We have a running dialogue with Field of Screens. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit. So you know, Field of Screens did Any Given Sunday with us. They did the joint episode. And I still listen to all of their podcasts. I think they're hilarious guys. And the most recent one was Karate Kid 3. And I enjoyed listening to that. I actually sent them a funny Karate Kid story, which guess what? This is how cool I am. I'm not going to tell any of our fans about that story. If you want to hear that story, you have to go and listen to the next Field of Screens podcast, which will probably be Tin Cup. And then you'll hear my story on mm -hmm. their podcast. And I'd... I'd Fashion a guess that Tin Cup came from a, a Wayne G recommendation as well. No, they actually picked that one on their own, and they'd never seen it, I guess. So I said, oh, well, this is a great golf movie. So I know it's one that you enjoy. And uh, I also follow both the lads on Twitter and the show, and they were looking for uh, some female-led movies. And so not a ton out there, but I certainly gave you know one that I enjoyed, and that was uh, Stick It kind of a female-led gymnastics movie right around that Olympic period. But I really love what they do, and I enjoy continuing to listen to all their episodes. So, yeah, I really enjoy having a fan and a friend across the pond that likes to do what we do. So they liked Karate Kid 3. They'd put out some things asking about Karate Kid 3, who your favorite characters were and whatnot. And I said Karate Kid 3 because the movies, I don't think, they went downhill from 1, 2 to 3. But that said... Terry Silver in Karate Kid 3 is my favorite character. I think he's just so cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in Cobra Kai Season 4. 
Yeah, they definitely like to integrate those older seasons slowly but surely into the Cobra Kai. And that's a series that I still need to dip my toe in and watch. But I'm sure as soon as my toe gets in, I'll fall all the way through. So I'm really excited to see that when I get the chance. Speaking of shows that we started to watch, Wayne, how's The Walking Dead treating you? So here's the crazy thing. So I'm into like season nine and kind of getting into season 10. And I'm going to say this because we say it on our show all the time. When it comes to the movies we recast, we are not spoiler free. And I'm going to say this about The Walking Dead. For the next minute, I'm not going to be spoiler free. I got to put out there. If you've seen the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it drives me nuts that in the middle of season eight, I think it was, they did this time jump with no explanation. Like they jumped six years forward in time. So Rick, who's the main character, he gets hauled away in a helicopter halfway through the season. And then you never hear from him again. Never see what he's up to. He doesn't come back. And they're doing three, I guess, standalone movies with him, his character, Rick. Wow. Maybe that'll explain everything. But I'm just, as watching the show, I'm like, why aren't they showing him? Like, I know that they helicoptered him away, but show him wherever he is. Yeah, there's certainly going to be a gap there that needs to be filled. It's almost reminiscent or or close to the Black Widow, where we know there was some time that went on before we knew her or even while we knew her where she wasn't the highlight. And so that's what that movie tried to do. And maybe that's what we'll end up seeing with these standalone films from The Walking Dead in terms of Rick. But I, I just think it's incredible how you have really taken a hold of that show from never seen it to into the ninth or tenth season now. So what an awesome job. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And I had mentioned on the All Things Movies group, I'd asked the question, who's your favorite television character of all time? And mine is now from The Walking Dead. Before, it was probably Jesse Pinkman from uh, Breaking Bad. But now it's definitely got to be Negan from The Walking Dead, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. His character is just the coolest. Yeah, and and that post that you created certainly got a lot of traction. So uh, things like that is what you can expect to see on All Things Movies. And it really got a lot of opinions. I know uh, several people voted a few times, including myself. So thank you to the fans that participated. And uh, thanks to Wayne for putting out such an an awesome and interesting question. I mean, there's been so many great shows out there through time. Let me ask you this, because we can't go a single episode without mentioning Marvel. And I don't know if you saw, I haven't gotten into what if, so we'll cross that bridge in a second. But my question is, did you see that there was a leak for the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? I actually saw it in the title of Mac and Goo's newest episode, but I have not even hit play on that, and I haven't really scoured the internet for anything. So haven't delved into it too deeply. I'm sure I will after we uh, hit close on the podcast here, because you know Marvel and Spider-Man are certainly things that get my goosebumps going. But no, I hadn't really delved into that at all. Yeah, I saw the headline and it said, you know, leak comes out and Disney quickly put the kibosh on it. They started scrubbing Twitter and everything, taking down the video because what it was, it was like some guy holding his phone, videotaping it on the computer. So it's not a very clear, you know, trailer. It's very kind of blurry and you can't. There's a few things I can make out. Obviously, we see that Stephen Strange is going to kind of take on that mentor role to Peter Parker, kind of like Iron Man was. And so we do see a little bit of that. And you see that, obviously, he's going to be messing with time and space and all that jazz. I didn't see, I know, it, and they won't show it, I don't think, in any of the trailers that come up. But we do know it's confirmed. I did not see Tobey Maguire. I did not see Andrew Garfield. But we know both of them are going to be in it. And I did not see Christopher Cox as Matthew Murdoch, which I really am looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, any uh, half-assed trailers that get you know ripped on a cell phone and are upside down or sideways, 
I'm not interested in that. I mean, I'd really like to wait for Marvel to put out that finished product. They'll make a big deal of it when they're ready to show that trailer. They know that people are on the edge of their seat waiting for that. So they'll wait for, you know, a trailer of a next big movie, maybe Shang-Chi. And, you know, they'll continue to make their announcements in due time. But I really don't want to see these small, tiny versions of a trailer and try and make out things. And Marvel is really good at swerving us in trailers. So even if they do start to show some things, I'm not going to get out of sorts about what they could or could not be showing us. And I'm glad you mentioned Daredevil because I did see that there were pictures of uh, Kristen Ritter and she was actually getting pictured with somebody from the Spider-Man movie. I can't exactly remember who it was, but um, on Twitter, they're not Kristen Ritter. Who's the, the, the lawyer gal in Daredevil? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I think, yeah, they took pictures of her. Was it with, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, there were some pictures. Yeah, there's some, there's some tie, um, some ties being connected there. So within that, I think we're starting to see Marvel, you know, really take advantage of the split or broken timeline here and, you know, really excited for what, what's to come with Marvel. And I do know that my daughter had made a prediction of her own in regards to Matthew Murdoch. So she doesn't think that we're going to see Daredevil, but she does think we're going to see the, Matthew Murdoch law firm represent Peter Parker in the murder case of Mysterio. Oh man, what a what a tease that would be to show, you know, the, the man in the shades and the the tux but not actually show us, you know, what we got 3 seasons of. So I wouldn't be stoked for just a tease, but again, getting any type of connection from the Netflix universe to the larger Marvel universe will still be gratifying. Now, here's one cuz I know how big of a fan you are of this actor as well. What do you think about Willem Dafoe coming back as a Green Goblin? I think he definitely played one of you know the best villains in the early Marvel world. I think once the Marvel Cinematic Universe got going, we started to see some really good villains be introduced. But the Green Goblin is one of my favorites that had come out. I think he's really he's really into his roles. And I think no matter what his age was when he played it, I think he really played it great. So I mentioned it before. What If has come out. They've got two episodes, I think, now. Have you started watching it yet? I admittedly have not seen an episode of What If. Um, I've seen some rumors and some swirlings, both positive and negative, but I'm going to table those until I'm able to see them myself. So that may be something that I start to watch today into tomorrow, and we can kind of touch on it next episode. But so far, I've not been able to hit play on either of those. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I know that the two episodes are titled, I think episode one is What If Agent Carter Was the First Avenger? And then the second one is called What If T'Challa Was a Star-Lord? Yeah, so that one will certainly be emotional. And the Peggy Carter, that's going to be huge for any of our fans across the pond, anybody who wants to see some type of British representation. So I'm going to be interested in seeing them. I'll definitely get to watching those as soon as possible. And again, I like the animation style that we saw in the trailer. So I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Just haven't actually started to yet. Let me ask you this, because I know that you send me stuff all the time, like all week, like, hey, check out this trailer, check out this news clip. And Usually I put them into my notes, but as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I threw away all my notes at some point in the last couple of days. And so I just had to scramble and get my cast together. But was there anything in there that you were like, no, we got to talk about this before we get to recast? I really just want to bring up Suicide Squad. It's not something I've gotten a chance to see, but it is getting a hell of a lot of hullabaloo. A ton of people are talking about it. And I think majority of what I'm seeing is positive, Wayne. So it's something I want to see. Didn't love the first one, really, but it sounds like this one being put uh, in front of us by James Gunn, who we know from the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy so far. 
he does a great job with these unknown characters and actors and making them someone we can really connect with and enjoy. So I haven't seen it yet, but something I'm dying to see, and it may get me back to the theaters to see another movie. I may check it out. I probably will at some point. I'm not dying to see it. And part of the reason is I think that I'm a little bit disappointed at replacing Will Smith with Idris Elba. And I love Idris Elba. We talk about him on the show all the time as a guy who could come up for different roles. He's fantastic. But I really liked Will Smith as Deadshot. And I would have loved to have seen him come back in that role. Yeah, so I mean, it's not a, an exact you know replacement because it's not playing the same character. But from what I've heard, he, he does well with the role. It's just something I, I'd like to see. I mean, I really like James Gunn. I think he did a lot of good things with Guardians of the Galaxy. And so from what I've heard, this thing really blew people's expectations. And it's really ranking pretty high in a lot of people's DC rankings, which I know isn't too hard when you look at that DCEU universe. All right, perfect. Well, are you ready to recast this movie? Let's do it, baby. All right, let's do it. What's going on, everybody? We mentioned it at the start of the show. We're going to be recasting Jurassic Park. This was a recommendation from our friends over at Field of Screens. They are fans of this movie, and they were really, really curious about who we would pick in these roles. So, like I usually do, I give a little bit of a rundown synopsis, plot synopsis, or whatever it is here, and then we'll get right into our cast. So, this is Jurassic Park 1993. It is directed by Steven Spielberg. Again, listen. If you don't know who Steven Spielberg is, you're not listening. So everybody who's listening knows who Steven Spielberg is. (laughs) But prior to this movie, he had directed Indiana Jones, E.T., The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, and Hook. The budget for this movie was $63 million. That translates today to $120 million. It made over $1 billion at the box office, which translates today to almost $2 billion. And the plot goes as such. Wealthy businessman John Hammond and a team of genetic scientists have created a wildlife park of de-extinct dinosaurs when industrial sabotage leads to a catastrophic shutdown of the park's power facilities and security precautions. A small group of visitors and Hammond's grandchildren struggle to survive and escape the perilous island. This movie is two hours and five minutes long. Did you enjoy it? Oh, I absolutely enjoyed it. In the first sitting I had at four years old when it came out, as well as you know last night when I rewatched it, I'm not sure how many total rewatches I've had, but it had been a while. So it was necessary to rewatch it. I felt like it was a great time. Even I think because it had been so long, had me on the edge of my seat. I really enjoyed it. Is it 2021's graphics? No, but for 1993, it was amazing. I think we touched on it prior to the episode, but haven't really seen anything this huge at the time since probably Jaws, as far as like summer blockbusters and just the enormity of what the production studio was able to provide. I mean, we went from having a shark to here we have dinosaurs and a lot of dino action. They they hit on a bunch of different ones. And I think overall, really fun movie and a great ride. Yeah, I know for me, watching it in the theater, uh, I think I was probably 14 at the time. 
this movie was nuts because seeing the T-Rex in live motion is for what it was live motion. It was phenomenal. And to think, you know, we see the memes all the time that somebody came up with the noises that these dinosaurs make without ever hearing a dinosaur. So for all we know, the T-Rex actually went chirp, chirp. You know, we don't know. <laughs> but uh, whatever the voice that they gave him, fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was it was scary to watch as a kid. Did you laugh? So in Toy Story 2, there's the scene where they're in the car and Rex is chasing the car. and He's in the rearview mirror. I always laughed at that. And I didn't know if, if you laughed at that as well, catching the reference to Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think Disney, even back then, did a good job of trying to tie in some references. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love the Toy Story series. And when they can touch on such a big blockbuster hit like Jurassic Park, it was awesome. Anything else from this movie? Obviously, like I said, we'll talk all the time about it. Not a spoiler-free show. So I love the very end when they're cornered by the raptors and the T-Rex busts in and saves them. Not really trying to save them, but you know, kind of busts in because you thought they were toast, like the raptors are coming around the corner. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's those types of things, you know, the things you don't see coming and it's not really a, it's a convenient thing, but wasn't really meant to save them. It was, it was an awesome way to, you know, to have that unfold. And kind of a recasting bit of news is when I was doing this cast and I was getting my notes ready, I did see that Sam Neill, who plays Dr. Alan Grant is going to be in Jurassic Park, the new one that's coming out. That's awesome. If they're going to tie in some nostalgia with it. I know that, you know, the actress that played Ellie originally came back for Jurassic Park 3 in that timeline. Uh, I'm not, you know, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World is almost like X-Men now where there's maybe a few different timelines and who knows when it starts and where it's going. But all movies that certainly provide a lot of sweet dino action. Speaking of that, because, again, before we get into the recasting, what did you think about the Jurassic World movies with Chris Pratt? I mean, I love him as much. I think I've touched a little bit on my my oversaturation of Chris Pratt and them trying to make him like the poster boy for everything. But I felt like they were okay. Not as groundbreaking as when, you know, Jurassic Park had come out. I think by this point, I had seen all kinds of Marvel stuff and Transformers. And so this was all right. But, you know, the, the original one I saw was actually something that took me for a ride. Yeah, the first Jurassic World had your boy Vincent D'Onofrio. He was kind of like the bad guy-ish type guy. Right. So, yeah, we have the cast. We have eight characters like we usually do. And I'll kick things off here. We got Dr. Alan Grant. We know that he is a paleontologist. We are introduced to him at the beginning of the film. He has the, the raptor claw and he talks about how it could gut the kid and the kid's terrified. He slashes at you. Here. Or here. Or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. Point is... You are alive when they start to eat you. So, you know, try to show a little respect. Okay. One of the fan fiction theories is that that little kid, the chubby kid, is Chris Pratt. Like, that's Chris Pratt's character, and that's what got him interested in raptors. Wow. I, I mean, that's neat to have, you know, those potential swirlings around that. Any kind of Easter egg like that, you know, so long down the road is pretty neat to have involved. He was played by Sam Neill, who was 46 years old at the time. Prior to this, he was in A Cry in the Dark, Dead Calm. He really started acting in 1971. Probably the big movie he was in was The Hunt for Red October. A big movie there. He was in The Piano. So, He's in a lot of stuff. He's kind of a famous-ish actor. Obviously, he's not Harrison Ford or anyone like that, but he's 
big name and what he did. And when I was looking at this character, I said, okay, he's somebody who's too old to start having kids and start a family. He doesn't like kids. He makes that very clear. He doesn't even want to ride in the same car as the kids. Right. But there's still uh, like a warm kind of fatherly, grandfatherly thing to him. Like He's protective of the kids, even though he doesn't like them. <laughs> yeah, I think it took some time for him to warm up to them. But uh, for sure, he goes from someone who doesn't want to be associated with kids to a pretty heroic uh, role model. And I figured this is somebody who's going to be an educated, like a paleontologist. He's also going to be kind of survivalist. So think of like Indiana Jones, but with dinosaurs is what I'm thinking. And a little bit older, too. He's a little bit on the older side. Right. And I went with a guy who we've already I've already recasted personally in our first episode of Night's Tale. And I went with Oscar Isaac, who people may know from Ex Machina, from Sub Rubicon, I think it's called. But most famously as Poe Dameron in Star Wars. I like the guy a lot. I think, you know, when we have talked about him, at, whether it be, you know, castings you've chosen for him as potential castings for me, I've mentioned that he certainly gives off some villainous vibes. But, you know, he's such a great actor, especially now. I mean, he's going to not potentially, but in the, in the near future, he's going to be Moon Knight. And I think he's a great actor. So certainly someone who is, is a wonderful choice for you to start off your cast with. Is this someone that was your, your new casting or is this someone who was your Samuel all along? This was my same all along, but I almost recasted somebody who I almost recasted the first time, too. So we'll touch on him and almost recasted. Perfect. Well, again, uh, love Oscar Isaac. think he's a great actor and excited to see how it kind of unfolds from here. But with my representation of it, I went with somebody who, oddly enough, is within that Star Wars universe. I went with Ewan McGregor. I saw that the British vibes, I think, as Obi-Wan he was someone who maybe didn't take to being that mentor too kindly early on, but really kind of through thick and thin ended up, you know, being someone who cared for who he was above. And, you know, he's been in, you know, other things as well, Moulin Rouge um, and several others. But I think Star Wars and, and his role as Obi-Wan is where I saw the Dr. Alan Grant representation. So, yeah, Ewan McGregor is my pick. I like Ewan McGregor, and I actually even considered him for the role when I was scrolling through. He's one of the ones that made me pause for a second. I thought, oh, Ewan McGregor. And I don't know if I thought he looked too young. If that's why I, I don't think he is. I mean, I think he's the right age and everything like that. I just think maybe that's why I'm skipping. I'm like, no, I'm looking for somebody with some gray in their hair, even though I think he does now. <laughs> but it's funny that because I know normally you put a lot of weight into the similarities in, in appearance between the actors and you and McGregor doesn't really look anything like Sam Neill, which makes me very proud of you because I do think that you and McGregor fits what this character is without looking like the character. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Showing a little bit of growth or at least trying to, you know, I think Sam Neill is British, correct? I think so. Or Australian, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, the international, um, but I, I got the same vibe, at least verbally from you and McGregor. And I felt like, he could fit the look enough without being that doppelganger, but I appreciate the compliment. I'm going to go ahead and uh, provide you Ellie, and then I'll get yours. So Ellie is, I want to say it's its his, his work partner, but they certainly have some somewhat flirtatious vibes, at least from, from what I can sense. And now the actress that plays Ellie, I should have her name here, but that's, that's on my man, Wayne. Uh, Laura Dern. Perfect. And she is in lots of things from before then to even after. And I think she plays about, or she is 26 when she plays this role. But man, in the nicest way possible, she looks a little bit older. 
with, with the glasses, maybe it's the job, maybe it just wears on her, but she doesn't look 26. I'd say she looks almost a decade older, plays a decade older. But with this role, I wanted someone who was kind. She certainly takes the kids a bit more. She's kind of the one that starts the conversation around Alan about kids and even kind of tells the female child, the grandchild of Hammond to go sit with Alan on, on the, the Humvee or the ATV, whatever that vehicle is that they start to cruise around in. Then I heard about this thing in Omni, about this um, meteor making all this heat and it made a bunch of diamond dust and that changed the weather and they died because of the weather. And then my teacher told me about this other book by a guy named Backer and he... She said I should ride with you because it'd be good for you. So she's kinder, softer, gentler, but she's also very smart. So with this role, I went with Haley Atwell. She is Peggy Carter. We were just talking about what if. So she is Peggy Carter. She's also going to be in the Mission Impossible 7. I know that's something you may have your eyes on as a Tom Cruise fan. She is a little bit older than 26. She's actually 39 now, but I think she could play that same type of role and look and i just happen to have brit and brit nice yeah i think that's a great cast there and i think that she fits well with you and mcgregor i like what you're saying i too got that vibe one that she's probably early 30s is what i was thinking not 26 she definitely looked a little bit older but i also got that impression too like she was his assistant maybe even like a student who became his assistant she she definitely was younger than him i got that right but like you very flirtatious and so I, I picked up on that, but they never really touch on the romantic side of things. I know in Jurassic Park 3, she has kids with another guy, and she's the one that Alan calls to rescue him. But yeah, I, I, everything you said, I agree with. And I think that the actress who plays Peggy Carter, because that's Captain America's love interest, correct? Not her niece, right. but the, the main one. Right. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think she looks exactly the way she should look. I think that she does have that carries herself with kind of an elegance, which I think Ellie does a little bit. The note I had here for her is I had a you know, younger assistant to Dr. Grant, wild spirit, adventurous. You know, she has kind of like that wild spirit to her, wants kids. And when I was looking at it, I said, all right, I need somebody who's, like you said, a little bit younger than him, but maybe not too much younger. I ended up picking somebody who's older than Oscar Isaac to, to play this role, but she looks younger, I think. And that is Diane Kruger. So Diane Kruger is from Inglorious Bastards. She is from Welcome to Marwin. But what you might remember her from and what most people are going to remember her from is she is Abigail Chase in National Treasure. She is Nicolas Cage's like girlfriend, whatever is doc documentarian or whatever she is. Yeah, definitely a beautiful lady. Um, you know, not someone who is stu stunning. I, I think to say Ellie is stunning would be a mistake, but she's, she's certainly not ugly. And I think, you know, the actress you chose is someone who, even though has a bit of age, can play someone who's probably supposed to be in her mid thirties. And I think that's a perfect pairing so far. Really like the look of her. I think that she could certainly, you know, wear that, that hat and the button up and really get her hands dirty in the field. This next actor, or the next role, is probably the most fun one for me to recast, which is Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, who was 41 at the time. Now, I think it's the most fun because of how fun Jeff Goldblum is as an actor. Like He always plays that weird, kooky, scientist kind of like guy. I mean, even the Grandmaster, right? In Thor, he's kind of a weird guy. And this, he was... Previously in The Fly, that's really what made him famous. Uh, Transylvania 65,000, Earth Girls Are Easy, The Tall Guy, Framed. This was all leading into this movie, and obviously we know he's done a ton of stuff since the movie. 
And I put down here eccentric. He has to be that. He's kind of a playboy, right? He's hitting on Ellie. He's very big on girls. He hits on all the ladies. Like that's his thing. He seems like that kind of guy. Yes. But he also comes across as highly intelligent, philosophical, like a deep thinker. And he's the one that really recognizes like this is a bad idea, recreating dinosaurs. (laughs) You wouldn't have anything to say. No, hold on. This isn't this is some species that was obliterated by deforestation. Or, or the building of a dam, dinosaurs uh, uh, had their shot, and nature selected them for extinction. I simply don't understand this Luddite attitude, especially from a scientist. I mean, how can we stand in the light of discovery and, and not act? Oh, what's so great about discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it explores, what you call discovery. I call the rape of the natural world. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I agree with you, you know, that part where Hammond thought that, you know, he really only had to battle Muldoon, you know, the lawyer, but it turns out he ended up having to really debate or convince Goldblum's character as well as Ellie and Grant. I'll, I'll come back on Muldoon when we get to him. I thought Muldoon was the uh, the security guy, the you know, clever girl, that guy there. I thought he was the, the, the lawyer guy, the guy that we saw a lot of. He's, he ends up being in the porta potty as well. Oh, well, that's so going to change he, my he, cast. Yeah. <laughs> lawyer or insurance rep he's basically there to make sure that this you know the park's not gonna lose money after they had that original the opening of the movie so he's there and he's like oh we need to make sure that this runs or else you could lose all kinds of money and he ends up being this is gonna make us millions yeah kind of get back to dr ian malcolm so like i said looking for somebody who's eccentric and i casted somebody who everyone's gonna be familiar with and that is russell brand who, you know, we know he was married to Katy Perry, but, you know, he was an Arthur, forgetting Sarah Marshall, get him to the Greek bedtime stories. He is eccentric, playboy. He has all of those qualities, kind of a little bit nerdy and extremely smart in real life as well. But I thought that he would be a great representation of that character. Right. And I actually follow Russell Brand on Twitter and he is a philosophical guy. He's a smart guy. And uh, he also seems, you know, not just from his movie portrayals, but just by the way he lives his life, that he's a free spirit, a bit of a flirtatious guy. You know, I feel like he could be there with his shirt unbuttoned as well. So uh, great pick. I love Russell Brand, all the things that I've seen him in. So for mine, had Malcolm fairly easy. I believe he was probably my first choice out of all of these. And, uh, you know, I agree with everything you said. He's flirtatious, so, so smart and philosophical. So for this, I went with a character from The Big Bang Theory. And that character's name is Simon Helber. He plays Howard on The Big Bang. If you watch that show, not only is he a super smart guy, but he's also the one that probably takes the most flirtatious jabs. May not have a huge success rate, but he's swinging every time. And so I think the mix of flirtatious, eccentric, philosophical, and super smart had me leaning Simon Helber from the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, and I think that he definitely has some of the characteristics. I think the one that I would say he's missing is almost like the suaveness, because he's kind of a creeper ladies' man in the Big Bang Theory, instead of, you know, like Jeff Goldblum plays more of like a smooth ladies' man. And so that's the only thing I would say is that the holdup for me, and where I think it trickles down, is you have to remember that, you know, Dr. Grant feels somewhat threatened by Dr. Malcolm when he's flirting with Ellie. And I don't know if Ewan McGregor is going to feel threatened by Simon Helberg. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess in the other direction, I'd say Russell Brand's a little too sexy. Um, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> Je- Jeff Goldblum certainly has a, a, a quirky vibe to him. And I think he may be, you know, flirting and hitting on all these girls. But again, I don't know how high his success rate is. 
because we don't see him really get with any. Um, I think he's a quirky looking dude and he certainly goes for a, a lot of those shots. But uh, I take the criticism. Like I said, he has a lot of the similar traits. I think I'm wondering if he's going to stand out when we get to the rest of your cast. But let's get into, I guess, was it John Hammond, the uh, the billionaire? We do. We, we have Hammond here and uh, definitely waffled on this one a lot. Wasn't exactly sure who I wanted to go with. I have an exciting almost almost for this. But to uh, go ahead and give you who I've got, my my Dr. Hammond is it a doctor. Um, he seems almost doctory, but he's not, is he? It's just a big, wealthy business yeah. dude. I think it's just John Hammond. I thought doctor as well, but I think it's just John Hammond. Okay. He he does kind of, you know, compose himself, you know, pretty nicely um, as far as, you know, how he dresses, how he walks. But I went with Donald Sutherland. I had to have somebody that looked the part, you know, be old enough to have grandkids and to earn his, his wealth that he has, but also have some quirkiness and some ballsiness. Because I think Hammond has to have both those things to really want to go through with this. And for other people with experience to say, not a great idea. And he's like, but I want to, isn't this great? And I think someone, um, maybe even with Grant or it was Malcolm said, you're like a, a guy who, who's playing with toys right now. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear a review point. I really do. Yeah, don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. So I think he had to have a little bit of craziness in him. And so I went with Donald Sutherland, but I'm excited to show you who my almost are later on. Yeah, I like Donald Sutherland a lot in this role. I think that you captured exactly what the character is. I had written down older obviously wise has a ruthlessness but also a warmth about him he's very interested in how everything works wants to learn i think donald sutherland definitely plays that he seems like a college professor which that's why i think of the doctor i don't think doctor like medical doctor but we were thinking doctor like maybe he's a doctor of philosophy or something because he definitely yeah. carries himself like that like a professor who taught for many many years and just earned his wealth kind of doing all kinds of things but yeah he's got some a little craziness in him to want to, you know, have a park of dinosaurs. Yeah, so that's absolutely perfect. I'm actually going to say that I recasted in my role one of his contemporaries, just as big a name. And again, all of our listeners are going to know who these guys are. But that is Anthony Hopkins. I think Anthony Hopkins, who was in Silence of the Lambs and then the sequel Hannibal, Meet Joe Black, Legends of the Fall, and of course, Odin in the Thor movies. I think that he has that same kind of old guy, wise, very smart, very articulate. So kind of the same ilk. I think it's kind of like one versus the other. Definitely. I always get a little bit of a spooky vibe from Hopkins based on, you know, some of those movies he's done. But I think overall, just a wonderful, wonderful actor. And right in that age demographic that we needed to have for our Hammond. You needed someone who had grandkids and who had really earned his wealth. Now, I am going to double check because I know the next one we have is Robert Muldoon. And I just want to double check and make sure if I got it wrong, that's definitely going to mess up my cast. Robert Muldoon, I'm typing it into my phone now for those of you without visuals. I could certainly be wrong here. Yeah, he's the security guy, the, the, the clever girl guy. Doesn't really change my cast all too much. I still picked someone that I thought was dinosaur E, but yeah, I, I may get ripped for it for having uh, confused the character. Oh, no, that's fine. Again, if I had to change mine up, it would be a minimal change. Like you're saying, the characters, him and the lawyer, are about the same age. The only big difference, obviously, with this character is he's got to be a little bit more rough and gruff, muscular. You know, it doesn't take any crap because he's like the head of security and he doesn't want people stepping where they shouldn't step or reaching their hand across if they shouldn't reach their hand across. 
you know, he's definitely there to protect everybody who comes into the park. He knows how dangerous these animals are. And so, like I said, he's got the classic line, clever girl, which we've seen all over the place. Clever girl. I picked somebody who, again, actually, do I go first or you go first? You go ahead and uh, go first, I believe, because I had Hammond. Okay. But to be to be honest, because we had to kind of figure out what his role was, I'm, I'm a little thrown off. So you go ahead and, and uh, <laughs> go ahead. I would just only request don't take out a lot of this um, or at least have it make sense that I was wrong because it's going to help my pick sound worse. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I went with somebody who, again, another famous actor. Neither of us had to really skimp at all on the budget in this one. And I went with Viggo Mortensen who was in Hidalgo, 28 Days, Green Book, History of Violence, and of course, Aragon or Aragorn in Lord of the Rings movies. He's actually, uh, he plays Satan in a movie called The Prophecy with Christopher Walken. And he is so, so good. Like He plays the devil. And I don't, I'm going to recommend while we have a little brief interlude-ish type thing, what we're thinking, I recommend the movie The Prophecy to people if they haven't seen it. The concept is there's a battle going on in heaven for control of the heavens. And it's between God and these other angels and whoever gets this de demonic soul that's here on earth, that's going to help them win the war. And so the devil, I believe who is Viggo Mortensen doesn't want them to find the soul because then God would lose. And then if there is no God, then he's not as powerful. It's like a whole, everything's tied in. So he doesn't want them to find this or he doesn't want the bad guys to get a hold of it. Not something I've seen, but, you know, it sounds a bit more action-packed than The Passion of the Christ, so I may end up watching that. <laughs> Definitely a different vibe to it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Wayne's going to go ahead and, uh, you know, patch this up a bit, but I just want to let folks know I was absolutely confused as to who Muldoon was. Um, I thought he was the insurance slash lawyer that was really making sure the park was uh, going to be profitable and not dangerous. And so with that in mind, I was like, damn, I've got a good guy. Uh, I'm going to go with a uh, former dinosaur guy from the TV show Friends. I'm going to go with David Schwimmer. But now having uh, Wayne correct me, which he does a lot, guys, he let me know that it should be a bit of a rough and tough gentleman uh, for a security officer. So my David Schwimmer doesn't fit as nicely. But again, I like the connection of someone who has dinosaur history, um, you know, from his TV show where we, a lot of fans who listen to us, they have knowledge of Friends and they, I'm, certainly, I'm certain they've watched it. But yeah, David Schwimmer, most notably from Friends, but he also played a bit more serious as, you know, Rob Kardashian in the OJ uh, documentary uh, that FX did a few years ago. So uh, he's a bit more thicker, older and serious then, but uh, still not sure I'm going to win any votes here because he is far from rough and tough. No, it's true. But I will say this, but I think he did a good job on he's perfect for the lawyer. <laughs> he actually fits perfectly because he just has that kind of. Almost he's, like a, a he's, he's timid, um, but also excited. And he's, oh man, I, I, I thought I crushed the lawyer uh, slash uh, insurance <laughs> guy. But next time, I want to make sure I've got all my roles figured out. Yeah, but I definitely picture David Schwimmer. Maybe even when we post the side by sides, we'll even post like the two different characters <laughs> and just see if anyone notices. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, what I'm going to do is uh, you went ahead and gave us Muldoon. So I'm going to jump on with Arnold. Arnold is originally played by Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel with hair, so weird. And he doesn't say motherfucker in here. Not in this and movie. <laughs> that's, that's usually his thing, that or snakes on a plane. In this one, he certainly has an impact. He's a guy that has shown he has experience and a responsibility in, in what he's doing at the park. 
chose to also take more pride in it than somebody who's upcoming in our casting. But for this role, and recently we've gone through some movies that certainly require somebody of the same age range or quality. So it, it, it got tougher, but I went with someone who I know that Wayne's going to be familiar with, Leonard Roberts. He is from He Got Game. He's also in Drumline. If you've seen Drumline, he is the the coach that basically tries to go at it with Nick Cannon, the ball gentleman. But he's right around that age age now. Um, he's a, a stern dude that I think could be given orders. And uh, I think he fits this role. Maybe you'll need to look him up just to see his face, Wayne. But I know you'll be familiar with him once you see him. So no, I know who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, when you were said the the bald guy, the he's the other drummer. You said coach, and so I was like, that's what Orlando Brown or whatever his name is, Orlando yeah. Jones. And uh, you're like, no, 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 that's when you said the the bald guy. He's like, oh, the other drummer. He's like the senior drummer. Yeah, he's like the lead at that position or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know who he is, and I think that fits. Again, what I really like about that character and that actor that you chose is something that I had tabbed here. The number one thing I have for Arnold, he's very serious. You know, he doesn't joke around. He's not playful. It's a business. I mean, listen, you mess up and dinosaurs kill people. So you got to be very serious. Yeah, I just find he's more prideful. Yeah, exactly. And so I can definitely see that actor playing the role very seriously because he was very serious in Drumline. So it's kind of the similar type of personality. So, yeah, I think that's perfect. I went with somebody who's I don't know if he's older, but he's about the same age as Samuel Jackson was. Samuel Jackson was 45 when he did this role. Uh, My actress, 47. And this is an actor who. Some people know him, like the movie people are going to know this name, but most of them are going to know him probably in two or three years. And that's Mahershala Ali. He was in Green Book. He was in Moonlight or he was Cottonmouth and Luke Cage. And he's going to be Blade in the upcoming Marvel Blade movie. Yes, uh, he was introduced as Blade. Uh, The only unfortunate thing is so far. You know, we haven't seen any type of Blade announcement, but, you know, they can go ahead and put that in the back burner while they have the messiness in the timeline. But a wonderful pick. Very serious. I think that's why he was chosen, um, you know, as Blade, as well as some of his other roles. Not not very intimidating in size, but just the way, he, you know, he looks. He's not going to take any shit. And I think it's a great pick. And uh, I like the way you tease that, where a lot of people are going to know of him more in a few years because of what he's got to come. So very excited to see how this blade comes out after seeing some good, bad, and ugly with the Wesley Snipes blade trilogy there. But yeah, it's been long enough that I'm excited to see this rendition of it. And uh, really like your pick, Wayne. Um, I think both guys we presented have an intimidation and seriousness about them. They should have a have a good looking arm because that arm comes out of the uh, the cage when the Ellie goes in there to turn on the power, right? Yes, and I was going to bring that up when we talked about her kind of being, you know, brazen and wild as, you know, she's the one that goes to, you know, check the electricity while, you know, some other folks are kind of sitting there or standing by. So I thought that was pretty brave of her. I wanted to mention that back then, but we kind of touched on it now. You know, you, you've got a Dennis Nedry for us. Was it Nedry? I thought it was nerdy, and so, which yeah, made I, sense to me. I, was like, I, was, I, I, I think it fits more as nerdy, but it's actually Nedry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he was originally played by Wayne Knight, who we know as Newman from Seinfeld, and he had played Newman prior to this role. He was also in Basic Instinct. He's in that famous Sharon Stone uncrossing her legs scene in the uh, interrogation room. He was in Born on the Fourth of July, Dirty Dancing, as smaller roles. So he's got a little bit of credit, but mostly as like a character actor. The things I noticed, I said he's a slob, so he's very slovenly, doesn't seem to care about anything. He's a low-life, slimy coward. We see him obviously get his from the Dilophosaurus in the car a little later on. Hi, nice boy. 
Nice boy. Nice, Thomas. Thought you were one of your big brothers. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. What do you want? What do you want? You want food? Look at me. I just fell down a hill. I'm soaking wet. I don't have any food. I have no food on me. I have nothing on me. Come on. So somebody who's jerky and but here's the thing is so when I saw this character and I'm the, we're going to be recasting him, I messaged actually the Field of Screens guys and I said, Jesse's going to try to shoehorn no, Jonah Hill in here. I just know it. I was like, but uh, <laughs> I said, let me go with somebody who has the same kind of qualities that you can absolutely based on the other roles that this actor has played. I don't care. He's not going to care if you typecast him. He would love to be in a Michael Crichton, Steven Spielberg movie. And that is. Kevin Smith, who you guys will know from Clerks, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, because he always plays Silent Bob. He was also in Live Free or Die Hard. He played the uh, hacker Warlock. In the running for sure, as far as this gentleman. Jonah Hill was never in the running for this, uh, believe it or not, because I crushed it so hard with him in Goodfellas. I'm going to leave him alone for a little bit. But uh, yeah, um, definitely Kevin Smith was within the running for me as was Kevin James, but didn't go with a Kevin here. But yeah, a lot of the similarities, a lot of the qualities and characteristics you mentioned, I see fitting, just greasy, nervy, nerdy, slobby, and someone who's really selfish. He really makes a selfish decision that ends up not only, you know, to his demise, but ends up screwing, you know, the other folks as well. Um, we can see his little, there's like a virus of, you know, his face that pops up on Arnold's screen. And that's when I think he realizes that, you know, something's starting to hit the fan. And so for mine, didn't get a, a big movie guy, someone who's been in a lot of movies, but he's, you'll certainly know him from TV. And I think in a lot of things you've seen him in, he's been slimy, greasy, but also pretty funny. And that is Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live. Um, I've seen him in uh, plenty of skits. My favorite of his is the one with Adam Driver. It's the Kylo Ren where um, Adam Driver is Kylo Ren and Bobby Moynihan works on the ship and um, Adam Driver's pretending that he's just a, another worker on the ship and he's not Kylo Ren. But yeah, Bobby Moynihan kind of looks the, the part to me a lot, you know, greasy, chubbier fella. And I think that he could be seen as somebody who's um, making a selfish decision in a big movie like this. Okay, yeah, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Horatio Sands, maybe a little bit has that kind of look to him. Um, or who's the other one that used to be on Saturday Night Live? He was on the Howard Stern show. You know who I'm talking about? And then he got I, like, I, on the drugs and stuff. I can picture it. I, I don't have the name on me. But yeah, I think, you know, the, all of them kind of encompass, you know, grease ball. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect pick. And I definitely can picture his head popping up on the screen. Like, <laughs> you got the password wrong. Right. And I think if you watch any of his SNL clips, I think, you know, he's both an annoying, funny, selfish. He, he's all those things. So I, I loved my casting here. And um, our, our last one for this is Wu, and that is played by uh, B.D. Wong, who has pretty much made a career as, you know, Wong in, uh, in Dr. Wong in Law and Order. But he was also doing some other things. I know early on he was in Mulan, a voice actor for Mulan. But, um, you know, Wayne will be able to tell us about some of his other things um, when he takes the mic. But I'm going to go ahead and give you mine. That's Randall Park. He is also from SNL and Fresh Off the Boat, but he was, you know, most recently in WandaVision. He was the a Asian uh, uh, officer there who, you know, has some smarts to him, but also got some quips in there. And uh, I didn't want to, you know, typecast, but I think, you know, this guy's on the rise as far as, you know, what we're seeing him in on the big screen went from SNL to having his own ABC show to dipping his toes in the Marvel Universe and potential to have him in a show with, I believe, her 
name on the show is Darcy. You know, the uh, she was in WandaVision as well as in the Thor movies. Yes. Yeah, so he is also an Ant-Man. And that's one of the teases kind of is remember Ant-Man showing him how to do the card trick. And then in the very beginning of WandaVision, he does the card trick because he's been practicing it. Easter egg. Um, <laughs> Easter egg, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, B.D. Wong, he was 33 years old. He's kind of reprised this role in the later Jurassic Park movies, Jurassic World, where he's the scientist. And what's funny is I've noted here that he's it's kind of a throwaway role, and yet he might be the most important character in the movie because he's the one that develops the DNA. Right. So, yeah, he was in uh, Karate Kid 2. He played Boy on Street. So uh, not a very big role there for him. Memorable then, for sure. Yeah, uh, the family business, the freshman, father of the bride. I laugh because his character was Howard Weinstein. And in Father of the Brides, uh, Steve Martin goes to buy a cake and he goes to meet with Frank, who's the the French like guy played by Martin Short, who is a wedding planner. And he sees Howard and he says, uh, oh, or B.D. Wong. He says, oh, are you Frank? That china also comes in a wonderful Sarah Lee yellow. Hi, you must be Frank. <laughs> I wish. I'm Frank's assistant, Howard Weinstein. <laughs> and uh, it's just so funny. But anyways, and then later on, he was in Mr. Robot. He is White Rose and Mr. Robot. So <clears throat> he's done quite a bit. I did have here, like I said, throwaway role. And I know you said you didn't want to stereotype. I actually, my next note is Asian scientist. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, the guy's name is Wu. I wasn't going to cast a red-haired <laughs> Irish guy to play the role. You know? But I said he's got, uh, he's got a nice smile. He's very likable and charming, even though he kind of turns out to be a dink in the, the future episodes. But uh, I do like his character a lot. And so I said, oh, who's a nice, fun, warm and charming Asian scientist looking guy? And uh, I went with uh, Stephen Yoon, who is, well, let's just say he's Glenn in The Walking Dead. So that's what he'd be the most famous for. And so this is my second episode in a row now casting a Walking Dead person. But I think that he would be perfect for the role. I, I can see we're starting to build buckets for our recasted here. You know, I've got a, a Star Wars, a Marvel, and a Friday Night Lights bucket. And I see you're starting to get a, a pretty full Walking Dead bucket there, Wayne. Until I get to the next series. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that one may be. But yeah, uh, obviously, you know. While we're both trying not to typecast, it seems like we both came up with great representations of them. I think, you know, likable, good-looking guys that, you know, end up making a difference, even though it's our, our last pick here and, and the throwaway terms. But like you mentioned, very important for the actual film. So that said, I'm excited to hear some of your almost characters. All right. So uh, starting from the top here, my almost for Alan Grant was Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I almost had Loki as my uh, Alan Grant, you know, just kind of being standoffish and prickly towards kids, but also ends up being somewhat heroic. And again, I, I was really kind of strictly looking British here, but didn't want to go too Marvel, especially with my Ellie being Marvel. My almost for Ellie was going to be Drew Barrymore. I think the connection with Steven Spielberg, E.T., um, she hadn't been on the screen in quite some time. She actually has like a daytime show now, but I thought she would have been able to play that mid-30s, early 40s person, you know, and not really a young 20s gal, but felt like Haley Atwell was probably the best, you know, representation for me. My Malcolm, again, I went with uh, Simon Helder from Big Brother. 
um, not Big Brother, whoops, Big Bang Theory. And my almost was Johnny Galecki, also from Big Bang Theory. And he is the gentleman who is also from Roseanne and the Connors. But I felt like Brainiacs, who um, end up having some uh, success with ladies, that show had a few of them. So yeah, it went strictly Big Bang Theory there. Hammond, I had an almost and an almost almost. So my almost was Jeff Bridges. I felt like probably my more serious of the potentials to be Hammond. Again, I ended up picking Don Sutherland, but I thought Bridges would have been a nice choice. My almost almost for Mr. Hammond was Steven Spielberg. I think, you know, now he has the age and I just thought it would have been a neat full circle if he comes back and, you know, he reprises the role as the grandfather who ends up with his wealth causing problems. The only other almost that I have is Arnold, again, originally played by Samuel L. Jackson. I picked Leonard Roberts. My almost is, a, I guess, a combination of Tory Holt and Carrie Kittles, and that's Tory Kittles, um, an actor that was in Malibu's Most Wanted and Those That Wish Me Dead. Again, a, a pretty serious look on him and someone that I felt like could have done that role. But, uh, you know, the serious look of Leonard Roberts and, you know, my familiarity with him from Drumline had me go with him. I would have loved if you had recasted Steven Spielberg there as Hammond. I think that is a great idea, and I think that would have been big bonus points to have the original director kind of come in and play a role. Because it's not a role that requires him to be a great actor. I don't think Steven Spielberg is probably a great actor, but he didn't have to be, you know? Yeah, I, I think what originally scared me off of it was I started to see or really remember during the rewatch how much Hammond was on screen. And, you know, even though they weren't super pivotal kind of verbal parts um, or dialogue parts, they were something that I wasn't sure if Stephen could have really done it or, or what kind of criticism I would have gotten from you. But it was definitely something that I had written down as my almost. And then I turned it into my almost almost. But it was something I was kind of kicking around. Yeah, I only had three. I had for Dr. Alan Grant as I went with Oscar Isaac. The runner up for that one that I had tabbed initially was Russell Crowe, I think would have been good in that role. But again, I went with uh, Oscar Isaac a little bit younger. And then for Dr. Ian Malcolm, as we know, I went with uh, Russell Brand because I think that he'd be great there. But my almost was Sasha Baron Cohen. So I think another guy who kind of plays a similar type of kooky, weird, but could play the ladies' man type of role. Yeah, if you could almost more of your picks, I think those would have been an awesome pick. But Russell Brand's almost too sexy and Sasha Baron Cohen's almost too quirky. But I think certainly they, they share huge qualities that Jeff Goldblum had. And then the last one I had was for Nedry, who I tabbed nerdy. Initially, like I said, I went with Kevin Smith, but I thought a nice role would have been Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker. And I think that he could have played that role as well. He was someone that I um, I looked at as well, but really happy with the cast that you and I both presented. And I'm excited to see what you know our, our friends and fans uh, seem to think of it on all of our platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely that's our cast, and I appreciate everybody who tuned in, everybody who listened. I appreciate the field of screens, guys, for recommending it. Since you recommended it, you both got a vote on you know whose cast you like better. And keeping in mind that Jesse's going to have the lawyer, and I'm going to have the security guy from Muldoon. <laughs> right. Uh, there was some obvious confusion there. Wayne, um, like he does most of the time, comes out on top from being correct there and uh, knowing what the actual role was. But if it was a lawyer, who did I crush it? One last thing I'd like to say to our fans is, uh, you know, not only do we like you, the support um, that we see in, um, you know, communication and dialogue on our platforms, but, you know, please give us reviews. Um, and, um, you know, if you happen to have a podcast and you listen to us, you know, we'll give you a review, a review as well. I know I've seen that and I've participated in like a review for, for a review. And, uh, you know, really, whether you're a podcaster or, or 
you know, please participate and let us know how we can help out. You know, I think networking and, you know, just growth evolution. That's what we're all looking for. Having fun as well. Yeah, absolutely. So one more time, just make sure you check out Facebook. It's at recast the podcast, Twitter at recast the podcast and Instagram at recast the podcast eight. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of let the Instagram thing slip a little bit. So, uh, like you're showing that we don't do the video. So you're showing Jesse's showing his jersey. He's popping the jersey uh, for those of you in Radio Land. <laughs> but, well, well, well um, keep keep, yeah. keep telling him what I'm doing. Um, but you know, I just I'd like to note Wayne that um, only one of us can fit into our recasted jerseys here. <laughs> I know I can't fit into <laughs> anything. <laughs> oh, COVID, COVID, Wayne. Oh no. I'll use that as an excuse, but it's really more just the food. Before you jumped on, I was eating a Swiss roll. <laughs> you, you son of a bee. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Again, no extra or exit music. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to come up with something, and I don't. So maybe I'll throw it in, and you'll hear it, actually, because I'll come up with something before I post this. No, the outro always needs to be you going. I'll probably come up with something someday. <laughs> That's all, folks.